The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? engagement How long before gift? a wedding should I send out and save the dates? In the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four years Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Benjamin Shapiro, and I'm the executive producer of the Voices of Search podcast. And today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by our friend Tyson Stockton, who is the co-founder and educational partner at Previsible, which is an SEO consulting and education company that helps support enterprise businesses scale organic search traffic and educate their organizations. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's an episode of the Voices of Search podcast, guest hosted by Tyson Stockton from Previsible. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Tyson Stockton, and today we're going to cover leadership tips from SEO to CEO. Joining us today is Eric Ritter, who's the president and founder at Digital Neighbor, which is a full-service SEO agency. They offer custom digital marketing solutions for businesses to thrive, including services from SEO, PPC, web design, email marketing, social media, and analytics. Today, Eric and I are going to be continuing the conversation that we had started yesterday, where we're talking about leadership tips from SEO to CEO and some of the processes, policies, and really things that he's learned along the way from growing Digital Neighbor as a SEO agency and kind of tips and tricks for those, whether you're also building out your agency or if you have the ambitions to do so. So a lot of great content here around that topic. 
Okay, here's my conversation with Eric Ritter, president and founder at Digital Neighbor. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tyson. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, yesterday we, we covered a lot of ground and we talked about your path and kind of some of the things that you've implemented within Digital Neighbor. One, not to rehash through a lot of the topics from yesterday, but one thing that really stuck out to me was kind of the employee-centric mindset that, that you have within your organization and how you have that focus around empowerment and uh, more of a diverse mix of experience levels and then promoting from within. And with that, one thing that I'd kind of like to start the conversation on is with that focus of bringing in young talent, how do you go about the hiring? Like, how do you find the right resources, the right individuals to join on with Digital Neighbor and kind of help grow the vision and the practice? Yeah. So hiring, I think for everyone, has been tricky for the last couple of years, right? Just to say that up front. Same with us, unfortunately. But our goal really, bottom line, is to hire good people, right? Not necessarily people that are super advanced in any kind of SEO or digital marketing. Because sometimes um, people that you cross-train are going to be the best employees, right? So what we really look for are people that are curious, right? That ask questions, that want to find out more and learn more. People that are web natives, people that understand just naturally by growing up, you know, using the internet of what makes a good website, what's a good user experience is just kind of people there that are curious and kind of can you know, just by looking at like, this is a good website, this is um, a bad website. And during the hiring process, we ask a lot of questions around... I don't know if you've heard of this, Tyson's called the um, Humble Hungry Smart Framework. And that's what we look for, right? So we want people that fit in from a cultural standpoint, that are humble, right? That understand that every success story is written by a team. People that are hungry, right? That are curious, they want to grow, they want to help everybody else. They want to help our clients. They want to help the organization. And then obviously people that are smart, kind of that, you know, that get it and that um, have the capacity to grow with us there. And so really just asking the right questions during the hiring process, I think is uh, super important. And for us, and we'll talk about kind of the processes in a minute, but having those processes in place makes it easier to bring in people that might not have that SEO, that technical or that digital knowledge, but that kind of fit into that mold of someone who can become a good SEO. I love that you're hitting on kind of some of the the intangibles, as I would describe, because sure, you have the technical hard skills of an SEO, but so much of our industry evolves, changes. So it's not the same one year from the next. And I think that intrinsic learning aptitude, learning ambition, curiosity, as you said, is such a key factor for a strong SEO. To expand in there a little bit more, do you have any examples of how like the types of questions that you would use to get to that kind of component of a a candidate? Yeah, absolutely. So I just recommend everybody just do a quick Google search for humble, hungry, smart questions. And there's plenty of resources out there. 
and just choose the ones that resonate the most with you. So for me, really, those humble and hungry questions are the most important. So the humble ones, some examples are of questions are asking for the candidate for examples of when they made a mistake and how they dealt with it or when they were in a difficult situation and how they dealt with it. So just really kind of understanding how they deal with different situations. And a lot of times the best responses are those that aren't even work-related, right? That are, you know, a difficult situation is like, hey, I had an argument with my roommate and this and that happened is much more enlightening than, hey, at work, I put the wrong date on a report and I got in trouble. So just really trying to get people to kind of open up and share more about themselves and how they deal with situations in work and outside of the workplace. Yeah, so you're really honing in on that kind of character component of the individual. And yesterday on the podcast, we were talking about, and you mentioned you're a a big supporter of kind of like using lucid charts and creating these processes. How do you go about creating the process framework for those new, whether it's interns, junior SEOs that are joining the org, how do you go about creating that framework that then enables both them to be successful, but also enables your organization to maintain a level of like quality of work and deliverables that's going out to clients? Yeah. So honestly, it was uh, kind of a lot of uh, mistakes and a lot of failures that kind of helped us mold the processes to where they are now. And I think we wouldn't be where we are now if we had not done or delivered some bad work in the past, which really helped us button everything up as far as processes go. So just to kind of give a little background there, right? So where we are now is we have what we call the Digital Neighbor Wiki. So we created an internal wiki, which is a guide for every potential task that someone would get assigned which includes, if necessary, a template. So for example, if you're assigned keyword research, here's our keyword research spreadsheet template that we use. Here's the guide. You know, here's um, We use AREFs, right? So here's how to log into AREFs and here's how to do that. And then here's the Loom video of me or someone else who's done it doing this, right? So you can read the guide, you can watch Loom video and follow along in the template. And so... Obviously, that takes a lot of time. So it took us a while to get where we are now. In order to breed that consistency, we want to make sure that everybody understands how every task should be delivered. And this is on top of our kind of onboarding process. So we have a a 90-day onboarding process where we do our best to um, educate people on SEO best practices, how SEO should be done, ideally. But to your point, that gets outdated really quickly, right? So what we're telling people in 2022 might not be the same in 2023. You know, once Google pushes the ads all the way down the page and the organic results are on page two, right? So SEO is going to change. But we do our best to kind of stay on top of those changes by making sure that we have um, guides. So that's a big part of it is making sure these guides are up to date. So every six months, we have a, a big meeting. We go through all the guides and just making sure are these still up to date? 
Do we need to change our process, right? So you mentioned earlier, we have the flowchart that line items everything out. That then is assigned to someone in Asana. We use Asana for project management, right? So the project management tool assigns it to the person. Then every single task has a link to that guide in that digital neighbor wiki. So everybody knows exactly how to do it. And so just come back to the beginning. Thank you. Yeah, just to come back to the beginning of it is, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while. So for me, I know how to do keyword research. I know how to do link outreach. I know how to do on-page optimization. I know how to do technical SEO. And it was just uh, the learning for me is like, oh, not everybody knows how to do this. So we need to make sure that there's a consistency there that everybody knows how to do it when they're assigned a certain task in the agency. Uh, Because as we're growing and we're scaling, we need to ensure that consistency to breed the best possible SEO outcomes, right? Because we all know SEO is a marathon and it takes a while, right? But if you're doing everything right, you're going to bear that fruit. And we want to make sure that trust in the process exists, right? In order to breed those consistent results for clients. And I think that's a skill set all in itself. Like I said, it's one skill set to be able to do the work yourself, but then to be able to articulate the steps, have the resources, have the systems in place that enable someone to kind of follow your footsteps, at least in my experience, is complete another skill set in itself. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. But I do want to go back on, on one thing that you mentioned earlier is reviewing the negative. And I think that's super important because obviously we all want to think like everything that leaves kind of <laughs> that goes to a client is going to be absolutely perfect. But the reality is, is there are going to be some missteps. So I love that you called out the fact of reviewing the mistakes. And it sounds like you're viewing those as an opportunity then to improve and reiterate. Is there, do you go through like a kind of like retrospective review, whether it's of the process or the deliverables? Like, how do you go about identifying those improvement areas? Yeah. And I think that's such an important topic, right? Because 
everybody always wants to show the pretty case studies. Everybody always wants to show kind of the, the pretty outcomes. But the truth of the matter is not everything is always perfect. Not everything is um, always pretty. So as a, a leader, my mantra to the team is we never make a mistake twice. So if we make a mistake once, we figure out what happened there. So just a, a simple example is reporting, right? So we might, someone might have pulled the wrong numbers into a report and that went to the client. The client called us out, you know, that these numbers are completely wrong. And so then for me, that's a huge kind of code red situation. It's like we cannot get these things wrong because we're literally lying to the client about the outcomes and about our work. And it might, you know, and I don't want to get into it too much, but we all know what happens. You're showing wrong numbers, right? And so we then will set up an internal meeting to go over it, figure out what happened, update the guides if necessary, talk to the individual that got it wrong to kind of figure out like, how did this happen? And again, everything trying to, you know, framing it as positive as possible. It's like, hey, we listen, we know this was a mistake. And, you know, we're humans, mistake happens happen. But we're an organization here. So we cannot have the same mistake happen twice. So let's get that fixed as quickly as possible. So I don't know if that answered your question, Tyson, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where where we are is just embracing the mistakes like, hey, this happened. It's an opportunity to make sure that we're buttoned up and it never happens again. No, I I think that absolutely does dig just a little bit more just because I really do think that this is such a key takeaway for listeners to really lean into these areas as opportunities. Within those sessions where you're reviewing, okay, hey, mistakes happen, but we don't make them again. And then you're having those sessions to dig into where it was. Are you faced ever with kind of that like defensiveness or like how do you maintain kind of like a positive environment within those meetings or within the org to kind of embrace it as an opportunity and to not because I think it is almost in human nature for people to kind of fall back into a defensive move or like not want to be the reason that like a mistake was helped happen so are you implementing anything to kind of foster that environment that it feels like you have created within the organization? As much as I want to say yes, of course, it's not always the case, right? So I think what happened or what I do is I kind of uh, activate my dad mode, right? So I'm a, a dad. And so with my employees, I'm very similarly explaining to them like, listen, you're not in trouble. This is something that happens, but we need to make sure that we put the steps in place that doesn't happen again, right? Where in dad mode, we might have a consequence, right? Like no screen time for tomorrow or something. (laughs) We're at work, right? (laughs) We can't take away people's computers, obviously, (laughs) or their screen time. But still having that conversation and, and just being very real with them and saying, hey, listen, you're not in trouble now, but if this happens again... You are going to be in trouble. This is going to. This is a, a big issue. So, kind of setting that fr- that stage up front and helping people understand this is a positive thing. Well, not let me let me take that back. It's not necessarily. It's never a positive. To your point, right? Is it's something negative that happened? So, explaining to people that this is a process and it's completely normal within an organization 
to um, have these conversations. And explaining kind of the bigger picture is our clients trust us. We embrace our clients. Our number one mission is to deliver the best possible results for clients. And we need to make sure that that happens. And so that's why we're having kind of this meeting here. And as much, and just back to your question, as much as you try to kind of do that upfront, there's always going to be some defensiveness. And a lot of times in my mind, then it's like, did I hire the wrong person here? Because they're getting so defensive, right? So it kind of comes back to what we talked about previously about hiring the right people that are going to be humble and that are going to realize that mistakes happen and they're going to own them and they're going to do what it takes to fix them. Excellent. And I mean, that also segues us into one of the next topics I wanted to touch on around communication and not to jump ahead or read between the lines too much, but it feels as if you're creating a pretty open environment and having like more frank, real conversations with it. Like, would you add anything or I mean, even correct that, I guess, from like your communication style within the organization as a leader, whether it's internal to clients, like what's your position or what's your strategy in regards to communication? Yeah, I agree with exactly what you said is I believe in complete transparency. So if a a client calls and says something positive, I share that internally. So we use Slack for internal communication. Everything internal is in Slack. So we have a, a kudos channel where we give each other shout outs, positive feedback. But also if something negative happens with a uh, a client that goes into that client's channel just so everybody is aware of that. As a leader, I believe one of my prime directives really is to share everything that I know with the team, right? To kind of get it out of my mind and filter it, of course, if necessary, and then get it to the team. So Slack has been a game changer for us. And I'm sure you've heard that plenty of times. You've probably experienced that is um, just having kind of um, a place to put everything and kind of to to drop that communication and kind of have those asynchronous conversations with people instead of calling a meeting. It's like, oh my gosh, it's clients mad. It's like, no, let's put that in Slack and let's make sure everybody sees that there. So internally, complete transparency and with clients as well, trying to foster that relationship that we don't hide any of the bad. So if there's a, a negative number or negative report, is I like to start out the conversation with that. It's like, hey, let's get this out of the way. Organic traffic's down 20% year over year. I just want to make sure you guys are aware of that. This is why it happened. And this is what we're going to do to um, fix that and improve it moving forward. And uh, I think you know that's one of my tips is you know clients really care more about the honesty and about what you're going to do to fix something. And as long as you have a plan, they're comfortable. But if you just present something negative without a plan to fix it or improve it, then you're in trouble. I I couldn't agree with that more. And I really feel like, I mean, one, it sounds like the the name of your agency is quite fitting in kind of the, the culture and environment that you're creating. Digital Neighbor, you're really seems like you know you guys are embracing that not just within the culture that you've created but in the interaction with clients and i like the piece that you know you just kind of landed on from if it's bad news i mean whether it's from a feedback perspective internally or 
hey, reality is things are down, leading in with that and being up front instead of trying to kind of beat around the bush or hide into some other areas, just being upfront, showing it. From my experience too, it just brings a human nature, a human element to the interaction, which in most cases is going to be resonated or going to be received with way more positivity and trust rather than kind of defensive or questioning or, you know, doubt into like what the next steps are in the process. Absolutely. All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks to Eric Ritter, president and founder at Digital Neighbor for joining us. Uh, If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Eric, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Uh, You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is at Eric Ritter or visit his company's website at digitalneighbor.com. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, just head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us topic suggestions for SEO questions or apply to be a guest speaker on the Voice of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media where our show handle is at Voices of Search on Twitter or my personal handle is at Tyson underscore Stockton. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed. We're going to publish a new episode every workday. So hit that subscribe button uh, in your podcast apps and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay. Thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember the answers are always in the data. 